Hey, and welcome to All Things Renovation with Brandy the Boss Lady and Paul the Wood Magician. We're a fun-loving couple who eat, breathe, and live all things renovation, and we'll be your hosts on this podcast. We created the podcast to help you take a confident role in your renovation dreams and get your project done right, on time, on budget, and with quality craftsmanship. Welcome to today's show, everyone. We're going to talk about flooring with Grant Bergman, and he is here with me. He's also the sales and project manager for uh, BD Floors, and he's been doing this for about seven years. His focus at BD is on property management, suite replacement, office tenant improvements, and higher end residential, which is sort of what we're going to talk about today. Uh, BD has the luxury of great red seal in-house hourly paid journeymen that are service-oriented and have a keen eye on the details. And outside of that, he keeps uh, busy chasing his 16-month-old toddler and spending time with his wife and managing a rental portfolio. And what spare time is left gets spent playing single squash where he competes at a provincial level for singles and a national level for, for doubles. And he will jump on the tennis court or golf course as needed. And other more social interests include wine, craft beer, and exploring the world of chasing audiophile sound down the rabbit hole. So welcome to today's show, Grant. Thanks for having me, Brandy. All right, so floors are a pretty major component of our homes and not something that's easily changed out as say as painting would be, um, mainly because you have to move everything out of the space in order to replace your flooring. Um, and finding the right material can be a little bit daunting. So I thought it might be a good idea to have you on the show and then you can take us through a lot of the common options and maybe some pros and cons around each of those and maybe where they would be best um, applied or applicable to whatever your your room needs are or whatever your home has to um, deal with as far as wear and tear and all that kind of thing. So let's just jump into it. Um, why don't you take us through, um, I'm thinking an engineered hardwood. That's a pretty uh, popular, Thing that people try to think about and um, I get lots of questions about it regularly so take us into that. Certainly so engineered hardwood you've got um, often a softwood uh, laminated uh, base where you've got multi layers of plywood that run in often often opposite directions for the stability of the floor. Uh, the nice thing about the engineered hardwoods are they give you that performance of a, of a solid um, when you get into the higher quality products because they've got um, a thicker lamella or refinishable um, top layer. And the nice thing too is you're able to get some of the wider planks that are more design driven and uh, just a nicer aesthetic. So instead of going with your more traditional solid woods where you're going to be in that three and a quarter or four inch wide, you're able to get into that seven or nine inch wide platform and still have that stability and not worry about the performance issues that would have, have that you would have um, with a solid wood where you get the kind of the cupping or the peaking as the wood wants to move. So an engineered uh, wood is often a great choice in a home. Um, the, obviously, I know I heard that you said that it for some um, some of the products within that option, they can be refinished, which I think is something that people often think that all engineered hardwood can be refinished, but that's not the case. No, absolutely not. Um, at the entry level, uh, you're getting into some of the thinner wear layers. Um, 
So really what you see is what you get. So if you're in that, I want to say one and a half mil thick top layer, you're really not going to be able to sand it and refinish that. And often that uh, product is going to be coming from overseas and it's going to be a rotary peel. So it's just not going to have that dimensional stability or the thickness so that you can sand right through. But like I say, when you start getting into the, the thicker veneers, you're able to get multiple sands like you would out of a, a solid wood. So yeah. certainly a great option for a long-term renovation. Well, and the great thing about them too, is that they come pre-finished. So you, you get them, you put them in, they're finished already. And then somewhere down the line, if you needed to, you could refinish them and not have to rip them out altogether. Absolutely. And it speeds up the construction schedule, as I'm sure you're aware, because when you when you're putting in a solid unfinished or an even engineered unfinished and you have to then sand and refinish it, it adds typically a week week to the schedule. Yeah, and sure. often that's not an option during a renovation. And would you um, caution around putting putting it in a certain area of your house or caution against it. I mean, like, so like, is it applicable or, you know, okay for a basement, for instance, or would you say only keep it on the main level of your home? Uh, engineered in, in a basement. I don't see any reason why you wouldn't do that. I would just make sure that it's, it's a watertight basement. You've got a vapor barrier. You would likely want to do a moisture chest moisture test just to make sure there's no uh, challenges with what we call hydrostatic pressure. So that's just, water coming up through the ground. Um, so you, if you're gonna be putting engineered hardwood uh, in your basement, you really wanna do your due diligence to make sure that that's not gonna be of concern because water and wood don't don't mix well. Um, with that said, I, I'm not a big fan of putting uh, engineered wood or, or solid for that matter in a powder room. I think you, you are asking for a little bit more troubles if, if you do have a toilet leak or- yeah supply line goes um i'm a bigger fan of of tile in those spaces and and the same with with kitchens it's a great look when you've got an open concept to have that engineered wood run through your house no doubt about it but uh certainly water is something to be of concern especially if you've got dishwashers and things of that nature yeah for sure for sure all right so what about uh, a product called lvt uh luxury vinyl tile and the people tend to not understand what that means yeah so it's a it's a vinyl product um it's modular in the sense that it looks like to the untrained eye it can fool a lot of people and they would think it's actually an engineered hardwood um the nice thing is typically we're, we're gluing them down we're not doing the click system so when you're gluing them down um you have the ability if there's damage down the road it usually plank replacement becomes fairly straightforward and easy. So from a maintenance standpoint, it's great. Um, when you put it in kitchens and, and wet areas, you don't have issues like you would with wood, with water. Uh, you don't want to flood the floor, but um, if, you, if you've left uh, a spill for a couple hours or, or whatnot, you don't need to worry about it seeping into the wood like you would an engineered uh, floor. So you don't get the, the peaking or... Um, the water damage at the corners like you would with a wood. So I think it's a great option um, in uh, both kitchens, basements. Um, keep in mind though, with vinyl, you need to make sure, especially if it's below grade. So in a basement, you need to make sure that you're doing uh, moisture tests because 
the adhesives and the vinyl plank will have problems if you've got excessive hydrostatic uh, pressure again. So, yeah, for sure. And uh, there, um, it's a it's a pretty durable product, uh, as far as I I know and understand from all the work that we've done together. In that, um, you know, it's it's something that can take a fair amount of abuse. So I think it's gaining in popularity, and there's there the higher end uh, lines tend to have more uh, greening and color options that that look very very real like you say to the untrained eye like you would almost think that it's like a wood product no absolutely yeah no what they call registered embossing where the print grain and the texture are are mimicked are now becoming fairly standard in in most uh lvt lines um so from an aesthetic standpoint it's great um from a property management side of things it's become all the talk most property managers are looking at removing carpet where tenants have been abusive to areas or just you you get that pile crush in the carpet and you can see the 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 traffic patterns the vinyl just doesn't do that so from a performance standpoint um i I think it's awesome and it does really well with with water and and tenants so i mean or um, like a really hard wearing family that has lots of kids that are running around with toys or dogs or, you know, like any of that kind of thing. I, I, it's fairly, it's a fairly, fairly durable, uh, product I'm finding. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, it, it performs really well when you start getting into the, the, the mid and higher grade vinyl planks. Absolutely. The, the technology has really improved over, over the years. And, uh, yeah, from a performance standpoint, would have no reservations. I've, I have it in my condo and looks great after six years. Nice. All right. So segueing into carpet, because you mentioned like the pile crush, you know, there's always those pathways in say in your hallway or whatever, where you walk all the time. And, you know, the, that path in the middle of the hallway does not look the same as like the, the field area in another part of part of the room. So, um, take us through a few different options with carpet. I know that there's a ton of things and options that you can consider there, but maybe just take us through the, a couple of different ones that you find are most popular and also take us through a little bit of the underlay discussion. Yeah, absolutely. So um, when we're doing carpet replacements, uh, typically I, I recommend something a little bit busier with a bit more texture and pattern, especially if you've got a hard-wearing family or you know you got a lot of kids running through and you see what at the end of the day you always get what you pay for and so when you get into the real entry level nylon or polypropylene carpets they're going to want to crush down and just not look good over the duration of the, 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 the life cycle of the product so what I always recommend is getting a mid to higher grade carpet that's going to last and perform because replacement's just an inconvenience for everyone and no one likes seeing a product look lousy after just a couple of years um one thing to consider too is especially stairs uh i prefer carpet over on stairs just for uh traction and slip fall um and it's just nice underfoot and so that's one thing that you really want to because stairs are the most abusive area in the house like you get kids or adults that are just kind of ripping down the stairs and quick pivots and turns um 
those areas do see a, a lot of damage and heavy, heavy, heavy wear. So often I'm recommending something like a real tight Berber and often I recommend a wool on something like a stair uh, where it's just gonna hold up a lot better than some of the, the nylons will, especially on the entry to mid-level. So, so why, why does wool perform so much better? Or is it, uh, what's the reason behind that, do you think? I think a good, I think the fibers are a lot stronger on the wool side of things, but then it also comes down to the density and the twist. Um, so my understanding is that the wools are gonna, are just a structurally a stronger, stronger fiber than the nylon. With that said, the nylons typically do a little bit better than the wools on the staining front because mm -hmm. of the, the, the treatments that go on into those nylons. So it's, it's a bit of a trade-off, but typically on something like stairs, you're not going to be spilling juice or things of that nature. You're looking more <laughs> for, you're looking more for just the performance of underfoot. And, um, that that's typically why I would lean more towards the wools. And then also the underlay is going to play a part in the performance of that carpet. So, uh, what was common 10 years ago would be the, the chip foam, um, which is just crushed up it and the problem with chip foam too is it's uh, if you spill something into the carpet it can absorb in into that underlay and so if it absorbs into it and you don't and you go to hot water extract um, it can continue to bring up whatever's uh, penetrated that uh, underlay whereas typically on some of the higher end and, and mid-level uh, residential projects we're using the uh, urethane which is impervious to spills. So that when you do that hot water extraction, everything's been sitting on the top of that underlay and should in theory come up in, in one, one swoop. Yeah, and also from a performance standpoint, it, it feels so much better under, under your foot. And I always say, if you spend a bit more money on your underlay, you can save a little bit on your carpet. And I think that's what you did in, in your house there, Brandy, in, in your basement. Yeah, no, we did for sure. Um, we had a, a flood whatever a year and a half ago and we had to replace the carpet in our basement bedroom and we went with sort of a, a very reasonably priced <laughs> sort of commercial level carpet and we went with the top level uh underlay and it feels really really good like you wouldn't think that it's like you know like a really bargain sort of carpet <laughs> that we chose because it feels so good underfoot so yeah i think the as 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 always, if you have a really good foundation, no matter what, no matter what we're talking about, the things that get put on the top of that um, just become that much better of a finished result. So, um, you know, in carpet underlay, I always say go go with the top level because it's going to just make it so much easier to feel like it's a good result for you, as well as you know, at some point in the future, uh, you know, all, all of these products do have sort of a, a lifetime of, of wear, if you will, like there's going to be an expected time re with, within whatever, say even a decade that you're going to have to replace them. And, you know, you don't have to replace the underlay necessarily. If you go with a top level underlay, all you have to do is replace the carpet. So it, in the future, it might save you a little bit of money as well, right? Absolutely. Um, but then keep in mind though, over a decade, two decades, um, you do get a fair amount of dust and throughout the house that have just come through the carpet and the underlay. So you kind of got to weigh it out in the sense that 
it's kind of nice to rip up the old underlay, vacuum everything out, get get rid of all the dust and debris that have accumulated over that duration. But I don't think, I think when you're talking flooring and soft flooring carpeting for that matter, matter if you're getting 20 years, 10 to 20 years, that, that's a pretty good life expectancy for a product like that. Um, hard, hardwoods, uh, as you can attest to when you're going to some of these hundred year old houses, they're sand and refinishable. And we just did a sand and refinish up in Shaughnessy in a 115 year old house and the floors look nearly brand new. So yeah. if you're talking and if these guys maintain and look after it, there's no reason these floors can't look good for another 20 or 30 years. And maybe in 10 years we'll, we'll re-oil them. Um, but you know, so if you're talking 150 years on, on your floors for hardwood, you know, doesn't really owe you anything at that stage. <laughs> no, definitely not. Definitely not. Um, all right. So I also get uh, a lot of people ask for things around, uh, you know, eco-friendly uh, flooring. And I, I know that there's a, a couple of different options that we have personally used for our clients. And um, I'm sure that you get some of these questions um, when people come into the showroom as well. Yeah, so two that come to mind are uh, cork being one and marmoleum being another. Um, cork's a great option. Uh, it's soft under feet. Uh, often it's made in either Portugal or China. So as eco-friendly as, as you might think they are, the carbon footprint, yeah. you're still, yeah, it's, it's still coming from a long ways away. Um, but the cork is, uh, is refinishable. And again, you can expect a, a similar life cycle to that of a hardwood if it's maintained properly because it, it certainly is refinishable and it does have a nice rebound to it so when you do drop stuff on it it does come back over time it's got a nice memory to it right. it's warm underfoot um, again similar to wood it's not conducive with water so you if you have bathroom leaks or a leak in the kitchen it, it, it can cause some grief there but, so what, uh, what would be some of the, the maintenance components around uh, cork? Like what, what's the best way to maintain them or, or just constant. Yeah. It would probably just be a constant sweep and, and vacuum and making sure debris just not getting through that top layer um, and staying on top of that. And like a, a light Swiffer one to two days a week or one, one to two times a week, just depending on the amount of mess that goes through the house and the amount of dirt. Um, and then I think it probably be every five to 10 years, you can do a, a topical refinish. Again, it's all based on the wear and tear and daily maintenance. There's nothing really, um, special that you have to do. You just no. maintain it as you would any other floor, really. Absolutely. And, and the same for like something like a marmoleum, you know, it's got the, that top shield on there. They use that in schools. Um, again, it, it does really well with foot traffic. Marmoleum obviously being made of linseed oil and having a jute backing. It's, it's a natural product. Um, I believe it's manufactured in Europe as well. Um, but uh, yeah, does really well in schools, does really well under foot traffic, doesn't do well with water. Um, it does break down if you have leaks. Um, you do have seams with that product. So you are working off of a six foot six or six foot seven uh wide products so often not conducive to 
kitchen layouts is you might have a seam going right down the middle of the space, which you do your best to tight scribe that. But as you can attest, the seams are noticeable. And when you're in a sheet product, it's kind of nice to avoid seams. Yeah, for sure. And um, I mean, Marmoleum is like kind of the brand name, I guess, of it. And people, you know, sometimes think of it as a, like a linoleum, but they're, they are two different ways of, of manufacturing a sheet product. And oftentimes a, a lino or linoleum way back in the day, I remember my mom getting the wax out and having to, <laughs> to you know, wax her lino floors or whatever. But with marmoleum, I don't, there, there is no um, maintenance in that way, is there? You can go down that ro road of uh, doing a, a topical seal on it, but then once you strip that top layer, um, then you've opened up Pandora's box in the sense that you're going to have to wax and seal that all the time and continue to maintain that wax and seal finish. So we typically, especially in a residential application, I wouldn't recommend going down that road. I would use that top shield from Forbo on and just run with their manufactured um, top coat. And then if and when that gets worn out, then you can go down that road of stripping the top finish and resealing the floor. But yeah. don't necessarily recommend going down that road uh, from the onset. Right, right. And, and keep in mind, it, it, the floor doesn't have a lot of grain or texture. So again, I'm a little apprehensive putting that in, in kitchens and things like that, where you get drops and dings as stuff falls and you know um it something like if you get a wire brush wood oak it's awfully forgiving with uh yeah. families and things like that and to circle back to the engineered if you get something like a, a maple or a bit more of a flatter green and you've got a family and a dog you're going to see all those claw marks and the floor is just not going to look great even though the maple is a really hard floor you get something like a red or a white oak with a bit of a wire brush and some grain that's brought to the forefront and uh, it'll hide a lot of the daily sins of life. Yeah, no, it's, it's quite a bit more forgiving um, in, for, in that respect, for sure. And same thing with like, uh, like a cork. I know like the, the greening and the marbling of the way the cork looks, it, it will hide a lot of sins as well. Absolutely, yeah. Now, obviously we have some um specialized rooms that sometimes we you know want to have and, and one of those would be say like a media room and i'm wondering if there would be some something that you would recommend for that space yeah media rooms are kind of a a fun space uh in the sense that you're probably going to want something dark because there's going to be treats enjoyed or drinks and spills are going to happen so typically we're leaning and walls are often dark like in a cinema so you're going to want something sometimes dark and busier for your carpet. So often we're asked to look at almost kind of hospitality grade carpet where we'd go carpet over an underlay with kind of a, a wild or funky pattern that would be something very different than the rest of the house. Or what we've even started to see now is something like carpet tile where you'd get a more commercial application in the sense that the nice thing with carpet tile is it's all modular. So you're gonna be at 19 inch by 19 inch uh, pieces or two feet by two feet and they're all glued in with what we call pressure sensitive glue so you can do individual uh, plank replacements or carpet tile replacements without even calling us back so if something gets damaged extensively you can just replace it 
Yeah, well, and with with that style of modular tile, you can actually create some pretty funky looking floor patterns as well, right? Because you can order like a absolutely, you can you can checkerboard all your carpet tile, so you're yeah, you can you can do a lot of fun things or install your carpet tile if they're long and skinny into a herringbone to add a bit of a wow factor or just order accent pieces of carpet that are in a solid color to bring some visual interest. Um, lots of options. And the nice thing too is some of the carpet tiles have uh, a foam backing, so it's got a slight cushion under it. So from an acoustic standpoint, if it's in a media room, it's always nice. And also for underfoot warmth and uh, also helps with the performance of the carpet as well. Yeah. Um, and would you say that, that, you know, a carpet tile might be a good idea for like a playroom as well? Or would you maybe be looking at something else that has like, like a thicker foam or something to it? No, carpet tile would be awesome. I guess it just depends on the age of the kids. Uh, I, I know with our little guy, I don't know that I'd be putting carpet tile if we're going to be doing a bunch of painting and things like that. I'd be maybe looking at something like a vinyl plank, if you know that paint and, and those types of activities are going to be done in that space but then if it's something like just rolling trucks around or playing with trains i think carpet tile is is an awesome option nice and you don't have to worry about the edge ravel on carp the carpet tile uh yeah so from a performance standpoint it's it's going to perform really really well nice well um I'm trying to think of if, there, if there's another sort of specialty room that comes to mind for me. Is there anything else that you, that's sort of come up for you in the past for any, you know, maybe luxury level types of houses that, you know, you've done something really spectacular in? Um, yeah, I, like there's been some interesting houses uh, we've worked in. Um, again, we did a, it was on Belmont Street in Vancouver. We did a, a real high-end gym there. And again, we put the luxury vinyl tile in there. And the owners wanted something that was really low maintenance, but also something that, you know, it, when they're working out, if there's sweat on there, it's not going to damage the hardwood. If they spill their water bottle, there's going to be a concern. They also didn't want it to look like a Steve Nash and have the the rubber tiles all the way throughout their gym either because it was a, a pretty high-end house so we were able to put the vinyl plank in there and um it looked great and they, they weren't the type of people that were having big free weights or anything like that dropping on there so it was absolutely the right application and then in their wine cellar we were looking at uh putting cork in uh obviously with wine and cork it seemed like a natural fit <laughs> and if uh if there was uh, a bottle that fell, you know, the nice thing about cork is it's a bit softer. Yeah. Um, if for whatever reason something was was to go, you'd have the best chance of reclaiming that bottle on a cork floor. Yeah, so. for sure. <laughs> yeah, well, people who have wine rooms can usually have wine that's, you know, wine bottles that are hundreds of dollars and, you know, you wouldn't want to risk, you know, having them fall on a tile floor, for instance. Absolutely. Excellent. And then the other thing too is, I guess, like mudrooms and stuff like that. I'm, I'm a big fan of, of tile in that because you're coming typically off either the garage or, um, or off the yard, whatever your main access is. And your feet are often wet. You're bringing in water and debris. And in my professional opinion, tile 
performs the best in, in those scenarios. Yeah. Um, from a maintenance standpoint, it's it's really low maintenance and will perform really well. Yeah, for sure. We actually we have that at our back door um, where we have basically hardwood throughout our main level. And at the back door, what we did is we just created a, almost like a little tile uh, carpet look with yeah. um, like a border and, you know, the, the field being on, a, on, uh, on, di on diagonal for some diamond pattern in there. And we just created this little border that went around it with the wood and inset it. So it's all flush and everything. But when you first come in, you're right onto the tile, not onto the wood. So um, just because you have tile at the at one part, it doesn't mean that you can't have, say, another type of wood or another type of product coming up to it. You just need to have, you know, a reasonable transition from one to the other, whether it's a transition strip or like what we, we did, we just made it all flush um, by design. So um, it's not like you are limited by uh, anything like that, but you can definitely have tile when you first come in your door. I think that's a good idea for sure. Well, absolutely. And the big thing is just doing your homework and getting all your thicknesses and your heights dialed in before you start laying so that you know you know what your subfloor is going to be like and what the thickness of your tile is and then what's the thickness of your hardwood that's going to then butt up to it and you you've got all these height considerations and nothing's worse than just walking around into constant tripping hazards or transitions and and height variances and you know we've seen it a few times too on projects where we've got a sheet of floor and that'll add three eighths of an inch. Well, if you're coming up and if that's right adjacent to, let's say a stairwell, then that's gonna change your rise and your runs on your stairs and yeah. uh, the implications of that. So you gotta be really cognizant of all of these things that are gonna come into play on a renovation. Yeah, for sure. This, even, even on a new build, you know, you know if you're gonna have, um, different types of flooring that are meeting each other, they all have different requirements as to what needs to be underneath them to support them, whether it's a, a tongue and groove plywood. And, you know, uh, in some cases, you know, you need to double sheet it um, because of just the way the, the structure of the house is and the way it's being built and all that kind of thing. And like you say, everything around stairs with uh, the code, you want to make sure that, and from a safety standpoint, you know, you don't want to have, you know, different heights of, of, risers going up and down the stairs or one that at the top of the stairs is much higher than the rest of them because you're the, the nature of things the is, that, is that your your body you know ex expects to have a certain cadence coming up the stairs and as soon as one riser is different than another then that creates where you're going to have tripping hazards all over the place 100% and the worst is if you change that first step because that's going to set the tone for the rest of yeah. you're walking down the stairs so if you change that first rise that's going to be your biggest hurdle whereas if you, if it's at the bottom of the staircase it's a little bit lower it's obviously not ideal but you know you're not if you, if you miss a step well at least you're missing a step on the bottom and not tumbling down anything yeah for sure for sure all right well um this has been uh Great. And I'm, I'm hoping that, you know, there's been some nuggets of wisdom for people to consider uh, when they're going to choose some flooring for their house. Uh, and before I close out the show, I wanted to get you uh, to answer a couple of fun questions. Um, and nothing nefarious. I, I just like to close out the show with a couple of these fun things. So uh, the first one is, what would you like to change or renovate most in your own home? my own home uh well it, it it's down to studs right now so it's it, it's being <laughs> renovated 
uh, I guess my condo, I would, uh, we're, we're living now, I would knock out the den, move my kitchen to where the den is, and then move the second bedroom to where the kitchen is. But knowing that we're not going to be there for more than another six months, I am not going to do anything. So no, for sure. Actually, so what, we'll call it an air conditioner. We'll start yeah, with air, an air conditioner. <laughs> yeah, with the record record breaking heat recently. Um, so in your in your house, um, yes, you're you're down to the studs, like everywhere, or is it just in one area? Everywhere. Everywhere. No, we are. We are. Yeah, we're in the midst. You're of going an big. Underpin. Yes, we found boulders under our foundation walls. It's been a. It's been a real treat. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. <laughs> Not to mention the city of Vancouver took 16 months to process my permits. Yeah, let's uh... stay away from that one. Yeah, let's stay, let's stay away from that one for right now. Um, and okay, so the second question, uh, are you handy? And if so, what is your favorite tool? And if you're not, uh, what do you think would be the most fun to use? Uh, am I handy? Somewhat, I would give myself about a five out of 10 on handiness. And my favorite tool to use is Google or YouTube. If I <laughs> am confused or asked to do something that's outside of my scope. Um, and sorry, what was the last question? Uh, no, I just said, if you were not handy, what tool do you think would be the most fun to use? Oh, I... But but you, but you are somewhat handy and the, the tool that you like, like to use is basically the internet. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Um, so for, for people listening, what would be the best way for them to get a hold of you? Just, uh, roll into BD floors or, um, best, best way to get a hold of us would be either through email. So that would be grant, uh, at BD floors. So B E A T T Y floors.com. Uh, and set up an appointment from there. Obviously with, with COVID we're by appointment only and, being in project management and sales, I'm on the road about 30 to 50% of the time. So you never know if you stop by, if I'll even be in the office, because I'm often out on sites doing measures and, you know, yeah, yeah visiting my customers. So, well, I also want to make sure that people know that um, BD does actually have a showroom where you can go and you look at a whole bunch of different types of products. So um, and it's always best to make an appointment so that you have the undivided attention of you know, your salesperson. And in this case, it would, it would be you. So um, there you go. I'll make sure we have uh, that uh, email in the show notes so that um, people can reach out to you if they're looking to update their flooring in their home. And again, it's been great having you on the show. And for those listening, I hope you'll be floored by the, by the content of today's show. I had to say it. I just had to say it. I'm sorry. It's so bad, flooring. Uh, anyway, uh. Um, I just couldn't resist. So um, again, thanks for thanks for being on the show and we'll we'll chat soon. Ciao for now. Thanks again, Brandy. That was fun. Thank you so much for hanging out with us today and learning about all things renovation. We hope after listening, you feel even more empowered to take a confident role in your renovation dreams. You can find all additional episodes and resources for all things renovation at our website, allthingsrenovation.com. And if you're ready, make your house feel more like home, you can contact us at woodbeart.com to get started on your dream project now.